Hello and welcome to Handels Bank and Insights. I'm Daniel Marnie. On this week's episode, we will be looking at data releases last week and what they tell us about market expectations for interest rates. We'll also take a look at the retail market and also the rental market in the housing sector. Today, I'm joined by James Sprawl, Handels Bank and UK's Chief Economist. So, James, let's kick off with the data releases last week. We had uh, quite a lot, and and it's really influenced the outlook. Uh, Employment and earnings, inflation. What does it say for for market expectations of interest rates? Well, yes, Daniel, as you say, um, quite a lot of data. Once a month, we have a a heavy data week, and that was last week for all of us. As you say, employment, earnings, inflation, and then we had consumer confidence and retail sales, which we'll also touch upon in just a moment. On employment and earnings, so um, things were so good, uh, things were good, in fact, so good that they were well above the level consistent with a 2% inflationary target, which, of course, started lots of people to get concerned about uh, were we really at the top of interest rate expectations. Of course, we're now at four and a quarter percent, and markets have been expecting things to go a little bit higher. We here at Handels Bank have been thinking that it might be four and a quarter might be the top. But if that wasn't enough, we then had the inflation data coming through on Wednesday, and um, that did show that we, in fact, had not fallen as much as we were, were hoping or expecting, and the result of that is quite firmly that there is another 25 basis point rise scheduled in markets are expecting it. And so we have changed our interest rate expectations as well. So we're expecting 4.5% to be the top of the, of the range. But uh, what's going on between all of this? Well, first of all, on, on the earnings figures, they are still below inflation, of course. So in real terms, they're still seeing a fall. But um, people are really twigged on to the fact that we've got a lot of inflation. And therefore, there's lots of earnings pressure coming through. And that's concerning the Bank of England quite a lot. And that's the sort of thing they're going to look at and say to themselves, uh, are we really seeing this falling away in the way that we would like to be consistent with a 2% inflationary target by the end of this year, beginning of next year? I still think, um, and our forecast is still, that we will see inflation falling away uh, quite quickly over the course of the next few months, but not down to its 2% target. We think that, that once it gets below about 4%, it's likely to prove pretty sticky indeed, largely because the energy-related portion of the inflation will have fallen out, but the salaries portion of the inflation will not, and that'll be the sticky part. So I still do expect that to come through. The other issue that's really important to remember on all this, on the inflation side of it, is that energy is the key to all of this. And um, there's two sections of energy. One, of course, is the direct effect of um, people's electricity bills, their petrol bills, their their gas bills. And the other is the indirect effect. Now, the direct effect is probably about 4% of inflation. But the indirect effect, that is to say, for instance, um, um, the the people who deliver the goods to the the market, the supermarket, or wherever else you might be going, um, that those prices have gone up, and those are reflected into the prices that we all pay as consumers. And so we've seen that, and that's probably worth another about two percent on inflation, which does mean, um, and it's a little bit slower to act on that that side of things. So we are going to see that falling away over the course of this year. So we do think that at least six percent of this inflation is going to fall away pretty quickly, but that does leave us with about four, which is going to be, as I say, proving a bit stickier than I think some people may be expecting. And the Bank of England is going to respond to that. As I say, we now expect rates to go to four and a half percent at the next rate, uh, next MPC meeting on the 11th of May and that it's likely to stick at that level through much of the rest of this year and only falling uh, potentially a little bit in 2024 when we've, we actually do see those inflation figures coming down a little bit more. Okay, so that peak of inflation, that's lower than what markets are expecting. We've obviously had quite a sharp increase in interest rates over the course of 22 and into 23. 
how long is all of that going to take to feed into the economy? Because I wonder whether, you know, some of the effects haven't been seen yet. I think that's an extremely good point, uh, Daniel. One of the things about uh, generally on inflation figures or, or interest rate figures is they do take probably at least 18 months and more likely two years to have their full impact on the economy as a whole. And because we have been raising rates so very, very quickly, undoubtedly, we have not seen the full impact of those higher rates. And that's for those people who are saying that you know, we're, we're closer to the, the peak than we need to be and the Bank of England doesn't need to raise rates um, that much more. This is one of the key str- strong arguments. And it's an argument that I buy in terms of over the course of this year, we are going to be seeing more and more you know, people uh, appreciating that their mortgages may come off uh, fixed rate. Of course, that's going to be a, a big crimp. About 7% of mortgages in the UK are renegotiated each year. We also see businesses adjusting their investment plans to higher you know, cost of capital. So the, the average cost of capital goes up and therefore many and, and investments get reconsidered. And all of this does take time. And uh, I think that you know, if we look at the current inflationary figures, which may be uh, surprising the upside, the response to that need not be an immediate further rise to interest rates because the, the danger of over-tightening is actually quite prevalent. It would be better, in my view, if I were on the MPC, to raise it to, say, 4.5%, leave it there for a considerable period of time before cutting as the economy um, naturally does see that in those inflationary pressures fall away. But we'll have to see how that progresses over the course of this year. Interesting. Yeah. So listeners should be aware that monetary policy transmission in this country is slower uh, than many other countries because of the way the mortgage market operates. James, let's move on to the retail market. I know it's something you've been looking at on the back of those retail sales numbers that came out last Friday. Uh, Can you let us know what they're telling us? Yeah, if we look at the, the retail sales figures overall, um, they're sort of traded sideways. There's nothing particularly exciting about all of that. There's certainly not a recovery coming through and all of that. I think what becomes more interesting is when you dig down into it. Now, there's a couple of things that we did uh, as a result of, of um, getting looking at that disaggregated data. First of all, um, are people buying big consumer items, so durable goods? And the answer is not really, certainly not in the way that they were before the pandemic hit. And so, for instance, we can see uh, things like food, etc., people buying slightly above the level of purchases on food that they had before the pandemic. But on those big ticket items, often things like cars or you know, big, big uh, television sets or computers, things like that, things that cost a lot of money, people are holding back a bit. And I think that that is uh, completely consistent with consumer confidence figures. Now, if we look at those consumer confidence figures that came out on Friday, they did come up quite a lot, but they came up from such a low base, it was an all-time low last September, minus 49 that uh, they're still at, at really, really uh, depressed levels. So I think that the what we can read into this is that the consumer confidence is is recovering, but it never should have been as low as it was anyway. Uh, and so what I'm what I'm feeling is um, that the UK consumer remains pretty cautious, and we can see that coming through. What's also interesting is have there been some permanent changes to the way in which people shop? And there's two things to look at here. First of all, where do people shop? And the answer, traditionally, the way that the government figures break down is, is are people shopping on a high street? Are they shopping in a shopping center? Or are they going to a retail park? Retail park sales are right, actually, to bear back where they were before the pandemic. High streets, a bit down, about, about 10% down. And shopping centers, even more. So there clearly has been some changes to um, shopping habits and, and where people are, are going as a result of that. Now, I don't think it's hitting every high street or shopping center equally. Those that are nice destinations with the right mix of green spaces, environment, and cafes and shops, etc., they'll be doing okay. Uh, those places that don't have the nice mix of things that attract us as consumers probably finding life a bit more difficult. In addition, there is, of course, the whole thing of how much are we shopping online. 
Now, about 20% of UK retail sales were online before the pandemic, and that went up to about 38% during the pandemic. It's since fallen back down. And originally, I thought it was going to fall back down to being about 20% above its level in 2019 actually looks like it's going to be a little bit lower than that, probably about 15% above. So again, a bit of a realignment of uh, consumers' shopping habits, perhaps not quite as much as I thought initially. And that probably will eventually help high street retailers. By high street, I mean not just high street, but shopping centres and retail parks as well. Interesting. So a bit of a mixed picture there. We obviously also had the PMI numbers come out on Friday, above 50, indicating expansion, but of course excludes retail sales. Mm. So what do you think is going to happen to the retail sales in aggregate going forward? I think that um, you know, given the hit that consumers' pocketbooks are having this year as a result of rising interest rates, uh, higher taxes and, and higher energy prices, I mean, you've got, you got some, some biggish hits in all of that. So I think that we're likely to see consumer spending remaining reasonably subdued over the course of this year. Uh, and, and certainly we are in the process right now of putting together our next global markets forecast in, in for the UK. And, and yes, we're expecting a sort of anemic recovery over the course of this year, not perhaps quite as bad as we, we saw in January uh, in terms of overall economic performance, but certainly nothing stellar. Okay, so perhaps a bit of a bit of a flatlining period for, for the UK economy. James, let's conclude on the rental market. We hear lots of stories about rent skyrocketing at the moment. Can you dissect what's going on across the market? Sure. Um, so, yes, rents certainly have been going up quite strongly. I mean, they're not going up as quite as strongly as um, inflation. So they are still below inflation, but um, they've all been moving one way. And if you look at, um, we look at it both regionally and by types of flats and, and houses that are being rented, uh, all of them are going the same way, which is to say all of them moving up very, 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 very quickly. But, and of course, with all these things, it's good to understand what's going on in the market itself. The first thing to note is that um, rents typically, if you look at rental yields, they typically yield above a a gilt, a government 10-year bond. Of course, that makes perfect sense because there's no risk in a government bond or very little risk in a government bond. And therefore, a rental, you've got the possibility of uh, a void period. You've got a potential of perhaps difficult um, tenants and, and needing lots of repairs and all sorts of things that can go on, which mean that they have to have some sort of premium over that. And typically, uh, that premium has existed, and it doesn't at the moment because gilt prices have corrected very quickly and have moved up, something we've talked about before, uh, and rental prices are moving more slowly. Now, there's two ways for rental prices or rental yields to go up. The amount of rent paid can go up or the capital value can fall. And I think we're likely to see both. And so we're going to, we have seen some pretty strong rental growth, as I say, below inflation, but still uh, looking at 6-7% right now. And I expect that to continue on through much of this year. But we're also seeing, likely to see some capital revaluation coming through in all of that. And that will take rental yields back up to the normal area in which they are um, yielding something above um, uh, gilt yields, probably about 150 to 200 basis points above. So typically, you'll see a rental yield of, I would say, between 6 and 7%. And what's happening in terms of supply of housing? There's obviously um, it's a bit of a perennial issue, but are there specific problems at the moment? Yeah, the government's brought in a lot of uh, new regulations on this. And, and some people may say that these regulations, you know, are, are, are very good things in themselves. But they, one thing they're equally certain to do is um, uh, diminish some of the supply and the stock of, of housing that is out there for rent. We've certainly seen lots of evidence coming through. Uh, landlords selling up. And of course, if you've got less supply, uh, that also does enhance the ability of those people who do remain in the market to charge more for their rent. So I suspect we're going to see uh, a good deal of pressure coming through in the rental market. Uh, good for landlords if, if you do manage to cope with all of the new regulations, bad for renters themselves because there's just going to be less choice and of course, um, quite possibly higher rents themselves. Yes. And of course, this is a big issue in the commercial property sector as well. So we'll, I'm sure we'll keep a close eye on that. 
James, thank you very much for those insights. And if you've liked what you've heard, don't forget to rate us on the app where you're listening because it helps other people find us. And you may also want to share this episode on social media. We'll see you next week.